That's oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely Canadian. Le joie. Adam Fairholm, and we're so close to 40 uh, episodes, but we're not there yet. Sorry, this is episode 39. You thought it was your lucky day, but guess what? It's not. Um, of the Music Video Land podcast by FilmedInsert.com. And we also have with us, as foretold in a prophecy, Doug Klinger. Uh, Doug, how you doing? Super good. How are you, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited because... Uh, we went to, as we mentioned a billion times before, we think we're so cool. We went to LA and we saw the Doomsday screening and we loved the uh, music video for Oblivion by Grimes. And we have, uh, and the system worked. We said we want to talk to the director of that video and uh, she is on the podcast this episode. Her name is Emily Kaibach. She is indeed and we are, uh, we're really excited about having her on with us yes if you have not seen this music video it's on the site just search for oblivion and it is a really um fantastic music video we we both loved it a lot when we saw it and uh emily was nice enough to sit down with us and it is an interesting interview because she is really getting very popular right now she's just signed with a video rep she has um, a lot going for her. she as, as she here in the interview. I mean, she uh, the Grimes Oblivion video was done in the kind of sense where you she knew Grimes and uh, they you know said let's make a music video and it happened and now she's doing you know treatments and things like that. So she's definitely a, a really big up and coming music video director and she's also from Canada, um, from the Toronto area I believe. Now lives in Montreal, which is a very cool city. And the first thing we, well, uh, the interview is coming up in the second half of the show. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, Doug and I uh, talk your ear off for a little bit, and then we have an interview. That's the way we like to do it. So, Doug, there's a little bit of music video news in the actual sense of the term, like actual news. Like, have yeah, you heard, have yeah, you heard like, like, yeah, not just like, oh, there's a new music video out, because that happens pretty regularly, but... Some serious stuff, I think, right? Is that what happened? I, I haven't heard much about it. Just rumblings. Yeah, well, what happened is... Um, so, we should give a little bit of background on this. And we have to say, we're not experts on this kind of stuff. But we, we do know a, a little bit. But We've we did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> uh, Welcome to 2009, everybody. And uh, actually, no, this is 2012, middle of April 2012. And just a few days ago, SAG-AFTRA... Um, which just completed their merge. SAG is the Screen Actors Guild, and AFTRA is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, um, put out a, an alert to their members saying that they are going to be meeting in, in the middle of May, I think May 15th, and one of the things that may come out of that meeting that they're predicting is that they're going to do a halting of work on music videos. Now, if you're not familiar with... Uh, unions well i guess it's always a hot political topic people are usually familiar with unions right they're collective bargaining um when people think of unions you maybe think of like the steel workers union or like the air traffic controllers union i think um, it's teachers teachers union that's right uh my fiance is a teacher and when you know when she became a teacher you got to join the union get your union card Man, you're you're bragging about having a fiance. Mm. I mean, I got a cool jetpack, so I'm doing good. But uh, you can't have a cool uncle and kiss a beautiful girl on the mouth. So, uh, and I lost my train of thought. Ba- so basically, you know, there's these different guilds. Um, you know, guilds sort of an old, like medieval concept, but uh, for different uh, professions. So there is a director's guild, um, and there is a guild for screen actors. And if you've ever been on like a, or if you've ever like dealt with in any way, shape or form, you know, like a, a professional production, 
of uh, movies, TV, or music videos. Um, you know, they, it, definitely for TV and um, film, but um, less so for music videos. It's usually a union shoot. You know, you'll hear these terms. It's a union shoot or non-union, meaning the people who are in screen are screen actor are in the Screen Actors Guild. So if a uh, if a film is you know filming something and they need a lot of extras, then the guild, the union says you can't just go pull off everybody off the street who you know they have to be in SAG. They have to have their SAG card. We hear that a lot, and it basically entitles you certain rights and things like that. So basically, what's happened is um, SAG-AFTRA has been uh, negotiating with uh, different record companies. You know, the people who are behind music videos like Universal Music Group groups like that for the rights of dancers and other people who work in creative aspects of music videos and this isn't just dancers and they've been focusing on that in the news a little bit but um uh, it's dancers but also you know choreographers it does not include anybody who is a like a musician and is contractually contractually obligated to perform in a music video or someone who is also already under contract for that um but it's uh it's interesting because um you know, I think we all remember in 2007 or 2006, the Writers uh, Guild strike. Um, you know, we're all familiar with these creative guilds um, coming to the news, or even guilds in general, uh, and unions coming to the news now and again. But it was interesting to see this specifically for music videos. Um, and, you know, what they're looking for... It's a little for, bit of a bummer, it seems, it feels. A, a little maybe. bit of a bummer. And I'd like to know, you know, who of what we talked to and, you know, the... You know, obviously, a lot of music videos are not SAG videos, but like a Lady Gaga video, you better believe that it's going to be a union uh, video. I'm pretty sure, um, because you know of the high, you know, the high budget and things like that. If you're just going out with a camera and things like that, and you're not worrying about permits and things like that, you're obviously this isn't going to affect anybody like it that. It comes, it comes into play. You'll hear um, next week. We have a uh, podcast featuring Dugan O'Neill where he talks about how. He did a, a music video for uh, Rachel Bilson. He had to that shoot had to be union. And there's just you know a lot of things you legally have to do for a union shoot. Um, for instance, uh, if you're on a let's say, and I'm not sure if this is still the case. I mean times may have changed, but um, if you were on a uh, let's say you had a week of shooting for something for a film or something like that, and you started at uh, you know, seven in the morning on Monday, and then you went to eight at night. Well, you need a turnaround time of, I think it's around 12 hours. That's what the, you know, the people who make films, the crew and things like that, they're in unions that specify that, uh, that they need, you know, like 12 hours of rest or whatever before the work starts the next day. So the next day you're at eight, you started, you know, eight in the morning. And then, you know, if things go long throughout the week, you may be starting work at like, you know, 10 in the morning or noon or 1, 1 p.m. on Friday uh, because of these union rules. I remember uh, Doug gets on me because he thinks I'm bragging about this when I say it. But I, when I was just very briefly for like two weeks uh, in college, I was an intern on rent. And they uh, uh, the guys who were like the drivers, the people who drove them around, were in their own union. And they were constantly like indoctrinating me about the union saying when I would like be eating breakfast you know beginning in the morning the craft services puts out breakfast they'd like sit with me and say you know where this breakfast came from came from union um it came from our union the transportation union so it's just an interesting sort of uh, thing that if you just you know watch film or tv or or um uh, don't uh you know, aren't familiar with the production process, you may not be aware of that these unions exist and that they are definitely in effect in music videos. And the one thing we don't think, it w and I don't get me, don't get us wrong either. When when we say that it's a bummer, it we're not it doesn't mean we're like anti-union or anything like that. It's not the case at all. But what we are saying is that it in a music video, a lot of times, like I don't, you know, even if you even if you watch like. Uh, with big artists like uh, behind them, uh, what was that? What was that show that MTV used to have? They used to have essentially like a half-hour television show that was a behind-the-scenes video of a music video, and it mm -hmm. would show like start to finish, and then the world premiere would be the last five minutes of the show of that music video. I remember and, that show, yeah. Um, uh, and on that show, constantly one of the one element that you would always see is like, 
All right, it's 3 a.m. We just finished with the day. We got to be back at 8 in the morning. We need to try to get some sleep and be back tomorrow. Because they're just trying to, like, pack everything in, you know, these shoestring budgets on these music videos. Probably even less less so then, but now more than ever, you know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to shoot in a location and stuff like that, I mean, it really will throw you off big time for a music video. Definitely will. I mean, the production schedules are really crazy for music videos. Um, and, you know, I'm not, you know, there, there's not a lot, a lot of details about this, about what actually is happening. They, you know, they're basically, <clears throat> as I gather, you know, looking for specific, you know, ac- you know, access to bathrooms and things like that uh, for dancers specifically. But... Um, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I guess uh, it, it get anything with unions gets political, um, and we obviously we don't want to get into that. But uh, it's interesting. So we'll watch this news as it goes through the pipeline. You know, you never know. In May, they uh, may meet and say they're they're not going to issue a stop work. But you know, then again, one of the things with uh, collective bargaining is that if you're in a union and they decide in the union leadership to stop work on something, then you then you you do it or you you cross the picket line so anyway it should be interesting and we'll watch it unfold in the meantime get out your sag cards everybody i got mine i got my sag card right here i have a i um when i say it i say screen actors guild yeah it wouldn't it be awesome to be in a guild i think i'm i think that i'm in um not in one but i've submitted like scripts and stuff to the writers guild so that's my humble brag you get yours i get mine if my humble brag is uh standing alone watching somebody make a movie for two weeks alone on a set then hey that's the way it's gotta go but currently on facebook my facebook cover is me standing alone on the set of a music video so that's a great picture we put a we'll put a link to that in the show notes i love that picture Doug is just standing behind all this like equipment and stuff like that with a with a great by, look on your face. By myself. I knew you were taking that picture. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure you did. No, I did. I saw you. Well, I, saw you. Uh, I put put a face on. So let's get to our interview. In, yeah, that's, in the, that's that's a good enough transition as any. Nobody wants to talk about unions. It's boring, but we do want to talk about. It affects uh, music videos, though, and it and it's and we want to rile people up too, right? That's what we want to not do. Yeah, let's rile everybody up. Send all your hate mail to Doug at filmdinsert.com, but send all your good vibes to Adam at Adam Farrow at uh, filmdinsert.com. Adam Farrow? That's not your email address. No, it isn't. It's Adam at filmdinsert.com. But anyway, we're getting we're we're getting farther away from our point, which is. We have Emily Kaibach on the show, which is really exciting because she is the director of one of our favorite latest music videos, Grimes, um, sorry, Oblivion by Grimes, um, who is a Canadian artist. Um, Emily is a Canadian herself, uh, living in Montreal. And I've always, Montreal has always seemed like a cool artist place for art to take place. And from talking to her, I think that is definitely true. The videos you should definitely watch for this interview are, of course, Oblivion by Grimes. Um, also, Running Back to Everyone by Cool Music 5 and Raw Spectacle by Miracle Fortress. And if you just search for Emily Kaibok, that's K-A-I-B-O-C-K, two words on, or three words, Kai is one word, on the site, you'll get her videos and check it out. So here's our interview with uh, music video director Emily Kaibok. Emily Kai Bach. I'm a Canadian filmmaker. Um, I work in documentary and some of my like narrative. I guess mostly my work's been music videos and short docs. And I just finished my first short film. And I'm kind of writing a feature, but it's you know it's all just. Uh, like little notes on my my phone and uh, like 
whenever I have time to like think about that, I, I, I start working on that. But um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a background in, in fine art and uh, I just started making films in the past like three, four years. So that's me, yeah. <laughs> and did you start just making music videos in the past, you know, like year or so? Because a lot of your, you know, videos are from 2012, which we're only four months into. So, it... yeah, yeah, that was a uh, kind of like one of those really logical conclusions after um, making like short like documentaries on musicians, and then just and, and making performance pieces where I had my musician friends create a score for performance work and then it just sort of was like a logical conclusion of like well why don't I just create a music video for you I guess like I remember this one my first <laughs> um, sort of music video I made for Claire uh, Grimes um, we were doing a photo shoot in my friend's loft with just like a bunch of like clothes that they they had lying around and like they had made this like paper moon and she was sitting in it and then I was taking these photos of her and then um just I was the only camera I had at the time was an HD video camera and I just was taking like there's a photo option on it um and then I just like let it record because she was like really cute and like making all these like like funny gestures and stuff and then I like added a a song to it afterwards and I was like hey look I made you a music video and (laughs) and I sent it to her um, she thought it was a little too girly and she didn't like it so much. So, so we didn't end up putting it out, but then, um, yeah, I guess like, just, like filming musician friends and then it being, yeah, something that just happened, like uh, it evolved naturally, I guess. So you, would you say your videos are more of like a, come from a place of like a, a collaborative, it sounds like they come from a place of like a collaborative art project, m- more of like, Hey, you have an album that we need to promote. So let's make some promotional material for it. Is that true? Um, I'm not really even thinking about promoting. It's it's more of like, like let's have like fun together and <laughs> make an art project together, and and then like we'll see what comes out of it. And if you want to like, like I guess like that would be an like that's an amazing like afterthought. The idea of it can be like a promotional tool for their for their music. Um, and then even if they if it's like a legit thing where it takes on the form of like an official video that like can be like blogged about and and maybe even get like on MTV or something which is like totally unexpected with the Grimes video. Um so yeah I, I mean I guess I guess I'm just sort of uh I like I, I I live in this sort of community where people are constantly exchanging like <laughs> like ideas and um we just like end up if we hang out together we're like you know either someone like there there's like a lot of music happening like in I, I used to live in this like alternative loft space where there was like it was also acted as a music venue and an art gallery and uh I don't know I guess when creative people get together they just sort of art just becomes a pastime kind of thing so like as a filmmaker uh I guess we do tr- sort of take it seriously as like a profession but often it's like everyone is having so much fun when they do it that it just, um, it, yeah, I don't think it's really like it has a professional format so much. Like, I guess it's slowly becoming that way because I recently like got representation um, as a director, and now I'm uh, being like sent tracks where I have to like write official treatments, and it be- it becomes and and to like people who I've never met before, um, let alone ever like heard their music before. So it's just like. That that becomes a more professional level, but I guess these past three music videos, like all the the musicians were like my my friends, and then we would just like I don't know we'd work on the video, but then we'd also like it would be just like a regular Friday night kind of <laughs> like <laughs> ritual of hanging out and um, you know whatever goofing off. But, hey. Now you mentioned the video for Oblivion by Grimes, which we definitely want to talk about because that's a video that, you know, as I understand it, came from that place where, um, you know, it was it was a project, uh, you know, you weren't really thinking about it getting on MTV or getting the kind of attention that it's received in the past, you know, few weeks and months. What was the the mindset going into this video uh, that that you had with Grimes of what you were making and what it was going to do? 
Um, yeah, I guess I, I've had to think about that a lot recently because I've I've had a couple interviews talking about the like like the where it all started. It's hard to describe um, the <laughs> the very first thought. I guess like it came from. Um, I mean, I watched this documentary called Tough Guys a long time ago that really like <laughs> stuck with me. I watched it in art school, and uh, um, it was sort of about that that like um, like the disguise of intimidation and like like macho like p- power that guys kind of sometimes like they have to. Uh, put on to be like accepted by by other guys not so much in the art world but sort of like in high school I I noticed that quite a bit it's sort of like emotional like numbing of 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 yourself and it it, it seems that like guys aren't allowed to be vulnerable and have the same sort of like emotional vocabulary as girls um, get to have and and so sort of like I made this performance piece about it where Claire did the music like she was behind stage with a violin um she she like played along to this performance piece I did at the at that loft venue I was discussing earlier um and then uh as sports just sort of like came into it because um it's just like a it's a really colorful like uh you know it's a it's a hugely charged atmosphere like when you go to a sporting event um I mean, it's a it's a pit surrounded by this, like these thousands of seats where people are just like worshiping, like what's happening on the center field. Um, and then I thought it'd be cool to like, I guess, you know, reverse that where all the attention was going towards the bleachers and the, like what's happening in the crowd and like studying the crowd itself. Um, so Claire being like. You know, I guess maybe also because Claire, you know, started to play music um, in this in this community where there was a lot of male, uh, like male. There's a, quite a lot of male dominance in the, in the music community, like in not so much in Montreal, but just in general. Like, like as a girl, you usually enter fields where um, you're. It's it's kind of like a boys' club. Like I feel like all the bands that were playing. Um, around the time she started, were all guys. The loft was run like where I I co-ran a loft space. It was five guys and myself. Um, as a <laughs> as a director, um, I mean Hollywood is ninety nine percent male like directors. It's just like it's just like a very it's the kind of thing as a girl you kind of um, feel like you're always like have to defend not so much defend yourself but you always have to like kind of prove yourself and uh so her putting her in these kind of like sort of male dominated spaces um where all the attention was on her um through the camera was sort of like an interesting idea but i i don't know even know like i i guess it could also be aesthetics like the the stadium lighting is something that's really beautiful and interesting to play around with um um, you know, Doug and I originally saw this at a Doomsday screening in L.A. Yeah. Um, in in the theater, and it was really interesting to see it in a theater because it was so, uh, you know, really beautifully shot, and it was really a standout in that uh, sense. And I, and I believe you know credit is due to your uh, your cinematographer Evan. That's what we do. That's what we do in editing. We edit in me saying the right pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was I found really interesting about this video is that you guys, you know, looking at it, you kind of assume like, oh, you guys just went into the stadium and, you know, just kind of did it run and gun and just kind of, you know, were there without anybody knowing but you guys actually had like media passes and had like a 35 millimeter ca- camera yeah had um what was the decision because i know a lot of filmmakers nowadays would, would just say i oh, will just go in and if any if we get kicked out we get kicked out what was the, the decision behind you know saying we, we got to do it the legitimate way um it's funny you say legitimate um we got the media <laughs> <laughs> we got the media passes uh because there was a really sweet guy working security and I explained it was for an art project and he was like, um, 
I was also I'm I I'm just finishing up film school, so I was a student at the time. So I I kind of was explained to him that I was a a film student, and um, I mean I don't know if you uh, noticed, but like Claire and Evan um, and myself, like we look pretty young and like unassuming and unprofessional and the cameras <laughs> were what got us like taken back into the security place where they where they asked us questions because the cameras are like massive um like intimidating like we had two of them and i mean they were like i don't know you've seen like a bl like 35 millimeter camera it's like i don't know it's really difficult to even like lift off the ground um so we got questioned and then by like me defending the like myself as like a student filmmaker that was making an art like art project like they were just like oh like you know like here's me media classes and we were like i guess they felt guilty because we had spent like 250 dollars in tickets and uh <laughs> he was like you should have just called us before if, if this is for school you know um kind of really like loose language like I didn't um it was we didn't lie but we didn't like say the whole truth and we all, at the time we didn't know that it was gonna be like it, it became sort of an issue when I had to sign the video over to 4AD um like we we, we like we didn't sell it but they like wanted to put it on vivo and then in doing that there was like some issues with like release forms and um you know, stadium, like, or, or, like, permits for locations and stuff, and, and I didn't have any of that, so... <laughs> how did you, how did you get that resolved? Um, the result? How did you get oh. the res resolved? Oh, it resolved, uh, well, they just, like, they were, like, well, you have to take responsibility as the director if anything happens, and I kind of just, like, um, crossed my fingers. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. It hasn't been an issue since. I don't know. I've tried to get in contact with some people, um, who I know through, because we shot it at a, a university football game. There were some people in the background that some of my friends knew and we kind of, uh, anyway, maybe we shouldn't like talk about so much cause it is a little bit, a little bit sketchy. The whole, um, yeah. We like sketchy whole, things. Well, it's a <laughs> too like sketchy thing. Um, there, yeah, the the whole guerrilla style. Like I don't know, that's kind of a theme. Um, but it's also a theme of working when you when you don't have a budget, you just kind of have to um, do things like really Ill illegitimately, and then just I, I like to call it more like the Herzog school of just like <laughs> um, get get in and get the shot and get out and like you know it's all it's all for the film you're like kind of on a crusade for a good you know work of art and you're not really like uh letting anything get in the way of that and i mean or you could look at it also as like being a part of like an old old school like you know like pre pre all these like beer you know like <laughs> like I'm thinking like a Diane Arbus or like like a hip shooter like Ouija like like old ideas of film and photography being like like street photographers or something like people that are just um yeah yeah like the, sometimes I think I feel like the best work is came from those ideas of the world being your um palette and not really having to I guess, like, but then people also don't, like, be on camera, so, like, yeah, that's, uh, um, you have to respect <laughs> their privacy. I mean, if it was up to me, I would love to, like, film people in their houses when they have, like, their their curtains parted, because <laughs> that's, like, an, but that's so illegal, you can't do that kind of thing, but, um... I think you just uh, I think you just wrote somebody a treatment for a music video. Well, <laughs> cool. awesome. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about the Grimes video is that you know, it, it, what you normally expect in a guerrilla style you know music video where you're in a public space, especially one where the artist is singing along with the music, is that they're they're going to use something that's equally or that's very discreet as far as their source of music. And in the Grimes video, it's very different. She's got a big boom box and giant headphones on what was uh what was behind the idea of of kind of making it kind of inviting attention to her as well as kind of you guys um 
she's a like a real like confident performer uh i think like people were really out of it um because then there was <laughs> i'm just two things people are out of it and she's a very confident performer <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, there was a lot of music being played over the, like, jumbo, like, megaphone, like, speakers, loudspeakers. There was, like, the organ, like, da-da-da-da-da, like, there, and there was also, <laughs> like, um, you know, it, the people cheering. Like, I had to actually tap Evan on the shoulder to start an end takes. Like, I couldn't, we couldn't hear each other at all. Like, is she... Basically, it wasn't an aesthetic decision that she's wearing those headphones. It was because she, like, needed to hear the the music. So she just, like, brought headphones in case she couldn't hear it and we couldn't hear anything. Like, it was like... But there are moments um, after the game when she's on the field, we, we got to, like, ever, all the families go and greet the... Because it's a college football game. They, like, storm onto the field and, like, congratulate all the players and stuff so just we went out there and at that point we could hear like the music basically all the shots where you see the boom box and she's not wearing the headphones is when it was like quiet enough that you could hear um yeah they hear the 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 music coming in and I don't think people were paying much attention to the music I'm sure like I, I mean those boys that are surrounding her dancing um near the end they're all in blue um I think they they just wanted to get be on camera. They like ran up to us and were like, "What are you doing? Like, can we can we be part of this?" And like <laughs> they just like danced for like five minutes to this random song. I don't think anyone like, uh, I don't, yeah. There's not much disclosure about that. I mean, that song wasn't released yet, but it was just like, um, the, the, something about that environment. I think that's also like the alcohol and the like buzz of the game, and just people are just sort of like not like clued into what's happening around them because it's just like so crowded and there's so much like exhaustion energy so um so yeah like us coming up with a boombox playing a song I think that was like not even anything that weird in that environment (laughs) because there's like naked people streaking and and shouting and you know yeah dancing so, there's that shot of the yeah there's a shot of the guy being led out of the stadium which is kind of a non sequitur there's there's where you're like hmm that I wonder if that happens every game or if that's uh... probably yeah, <laughs> probably uh, those university um, fraternity things yeah the the yeah there was a streaker that was that was a lucky shot um, basically it was like Evan there's a streaker get the streaker <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what university is it if you if you or can you really reveal that. Um, I don't know if I should say. I'm. I mean, I don't have any clearance from them, so okay. I don't know if I should. Say. <laughs> I, would, I I went during the pitchfork interview. I had to write him back because Claire was like da 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 da. She like said every like she just like went off saying like every um person like place and thing in detail. And I wrote him back being like, please, we do not um <laughs> like include <laughs> these names. Just because I'm, I was really scared at that point. That was before that was before the video came out, and now it's been like a few months, and I think it's like all good. But I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's pretty obvious because it's written on their shirt. So I should just say it's McGill. Um, okay, uh, wow. Yeah, Claire. Claire went to McGill for th- for three and a half years. So I think they're probably like really proud that she's repping them somehow. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. you know she, she she was a neuroscience major and she she dropped out like in her last semester so she's she uh she's kind of um an alumni but they're yeah I'm, I'm sure they're very proud of her so I can't see it being a problem now, anyway the, the last bit on the ob- oblivion that we wanted to ask about is you know the the kind of the story of this video is so interesting because of you know how much attention Claire has gotten after uh, you know, after, you know, in the last few months and, you know, how much attention the video has got. And, you know, you know, from what I understand, you know, you, you made this, you put it out there and then all these things happened. Um, she signed to uh, 4AD and then, you know, the video went on, on Vimeo. As you said, you had to kind of hand it over to them. What's that process been like and what has it kind of done for um, your career going forward? Uh, I should correct you. Um, she signed with 4AD uh, like in the f- late fall, like early December, and then 
um, they put out her new record, Visions for the World, with Arbutus, um, her like original label, the the the, the Montreal label, it, who, who has like um, the album for Canada. Um, uh, they they put it out. They put out Visions uh, beginning of March, and the video premiered beginning of March as her um, as her single. Oh, okay. So. And and so it was sort of like uh, I like to I like to say that like um, that like visions it, like that her album like promoted I would I don't I definitely do not want to take credit for like her career or this video being like a, a launching pad for her because I think her, like she was already she yeah she signed to 4AD before the video um, came out and before her album came out but. Um, they're a massive like label and obviously like they're like one of the biggest indie labels so i'm sure they they marketed her very well and and strategically released the video i think like they didn't i i remember sending the video to them and then they got really excited about it and then wanted to um strategically like uh put it out there on vivo and that was like a a, a strange a phenomenon because I was just going to put it out on my Vimeo um, and then I think they Vivo also has a lot of um, power to like create high view counts um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't I I, uh, I, I guess like I, I'd like to say that like her talent and and um, has got, has taken her so far and that I've just been like lucky to like ride that magic carpet with her somehow because I <laughs> I um she's a friend of mine and she allowed me to or trusted me to make this video so um which is like yeah it has it's definitely helped my career out a lot um like I I didn't really know what representation was until like a month ago um when I yeah so I, I've been signed to um the like uh, it's like Iconoclast is um, that big, like reputable, uh, like production company, like that has like Roman Gavaris and um, Harmony Korine and uh, you know like a, a slew, Daniel Wolf, Vincent Haycock, a slew of like incredible directors, um, and they're label branch to the USA which is Logan and Sons and then um, UK some such and then their younger label standard um, and then Doomsday through uh, through Logan and Sons with Danielle Hinn so that's that's all like to have all of a sudden these people um, working for me to, to, to get me tracks and to like uh, you know get me work as a director is like so different from um, me, like <laughs> calling up, you know, my friend down the street, being like, "Hey, like I heard your song on, you know, <laughs> uh, last week at that show. Like, let's hang out and talk about a video." Like, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's different. What do you think? I mean, what do you think of that process so far? Now that you're you're in it, I mean, is it better? Or is there just or worse or just different? Um. Uh, there's something really beautiful about like m you know making mu music videos with really close friends um because no one is thinking about money or i mean they are thinking about money because it costs money but like uh the, it's not really you don't have like obviously no one is um i, I don't know it's a really informal really like easygoing there's also like no deadline it's a, or like um, strict scheduling uh, of things other than like I guess like there's equipment rentals which can limit your freedom like you have only like a, a, the camera for two days or something like that mm -hmm. but um, there's no like producer that's I guess I, I don't know I can't really talk about it because it's still so new for me like I, I, I still have yet to um, I just was signed a month ago, so I still have yet to to make um, to go through the process of that to like have to be able to compare it very well. Other than like I've I've, I've so far I'm just writing treatments for bands I've never heard of. So that, 
that's the only difference I can really explain right now. It sounds like it's going to be an interesting experience going forward. Um, uh, the you know the other video we wanted to ask you about is the um, Cool Music Five Running Back to Everyone video, sure. which is um, really you know I think it shares a lot of features of the Oblivion video. Very atmospheric. The photography is beautiful, um, cool. and. Uh, you know, one of the things that I I read that I found really interesting, it's one of these techniques, or I don't even know if it was a technique or if you knew going into, but um, Jasper uh, Badala, did you say his name? Um, Badala. Uh, Badala. Yeah. Jasper Badala um, thought he was in an, just an actor in another video while you were filming that, or else he says he wouldn't have done it. Is that accurate? <laughs> I, I can see you read the impose. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, when I read that, I was like, I... I it's so interesting. It's kind of a, a, a technique we've never heard of getting an artist to kind of do a video that he maybe not oh, would have done. That wasn't, that wasn't a technique. That was just <laughs> a, like, a circumstance. Um, uh, yeah. Um, our friend Kyle uh, is in a really great band called Flow Child, um, who actually I made a short doc about. It's on my Vimeo. Um, him just like bunkered away in his studio. Like he make he's an electronic musician that, basically lives in his studio um or he did at the time and just like wouldn't go outside for four days just would work on music straight and so his sort of uh hermit lifestyle was sort of an interesting anyway but um why why yeah he makes great music um he wanted a video made uh but he was really really busy and um i just sort of yeah, uh, Jasper became, um, he rides a, he rides a motorcycle and that was a big casting point. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, you've got a motorcycle, you, you, got a you motorcycle, can play this part. You got the look. Um, he, yeah, so he, he volunteered to be the actor in that music video. Um, so we shot it over one weekend, um, in Niagara Falls and, uh, yeah, that whole like, the whole storyline kind of like grew out of this just original idea of like uh, doing some sort of easy rider, like motorcycle biker movie thing. And then uh, I was sort of like thinking about the idea of like revisiting America through some sort of like lost American icon of of uh, first I thought about like um, uh, some sort of like early pioneer, like some some kind of frontiersman, mm-hmm. um, and I thought a lot about that scene. There's this really beautiful scene in No Country for Old Men, where uh, Llewellyn Moss um, <laughs> has to cross the border in in Mexico. Are you familiar with this scene? And he runs into those teenagers on the bridge, and uh, he's I haven't like, seen it, no. "Is he? Oh, yeah. Is the one sees it? Is under? Is it underwear or something? Is it <laughs> before? Is it the scene that he's?" Uh, isn't he like uh, doesn't he have to he's, steal clothes? Oh man! Maybe yeah, I'm... yeah, yeah. He's been shot. Okay, um, right, right. Yeah, he's been shot, and he uh, he he's looking. I think he's he's got the money. He like a briefcase full of money. He throws over the edge because he's just he has to cross into Mexico. I think to hide, um, and he comes across these teenagers on the on the bridge, and they're. Um, <laughs> it's just a strange because you're in this world of like at least like I think the Coen brothers kind of like it's sort of like this timeless world where you're looking at this guy and you're not even thinking that you're in the 21st century at all you're you're thinking of him as this like you know cowboy like character that's really I, I mean I, I I guess I'm from Canada or whatever but this his character seemed really like foreign and um like an old like historic like monumental character of the american southwest kind of <laughs> like even though you see him driving a car sometimes you don't i i, I get I, I thought of him from a different time and then he he encounters these these like teenagers that are dressed like in a nerve like wearing like a nirvana t-shirt and like they're just dressed in or like green day and they're like they're like hey man like what's up and he's just like uh like a, i'll give you like 500 bucks for that jacket because he has to like cover up his gun gunshot wound to cross the border and they like started like they start to pretend to like 
to like challenge him they're like well you know like like how much for uh, they just like are just giving this banter back and forth and they're they're kind of like putting on this this character of uh what they've seen in movies like this sort of they, they kind of like intimidate him with using all these like vocabulary but it's all really like it's just like and he's just like trying to barter with them but he's like very authentic in his character and they're like Anyway, I don't, I don't really know what I'm saying, but I just thought it was really interesting how these two worlds met of, like, the Walmart kind of America culture, and then there's, like, this, like, old cowboy character, and these two worlds collide on this bridge, and then I thought that... I couldn't, like, get over that scene. I thought that scene was really, really interesting. And then, uh, I guess, like, Elvis is sort of just, like, yeah, he's a, you know... He's sort of an example of, like, an authentic... I mean, early Elvis music, Elvis, like, 1950s is, like, uh, you know, it's very, like, bl blues and rock, like, like very authentic, like, has a lot of country-sounding um, qualities. And then it, 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 it kind of became this, like, Las Vegas, like, sideshow where he, I mean, the colonel, I don't know if you know much of the history, but he was sort of, like, booked to make, like, like how like I don't know how many movies a year, but he had to like crank out like all the, like he's a huge <laughs> list of movies that he made in a short period of time, and he he was fed like amphetamines, and he was sort of um, you know marketed the hell out of and and during his late career when he was just on so many drugs and he was on stage and he was like really incoherent, he's covered in all this like rhinestones, and he's just like so such a shell of like his like original like early self like his music and his like look and everything became like he's so far removed and it just it seemed like the packaging and branding of Elvis like turned him into something else so uh that was sort of a sad research like that I, I, I didn't do you, do you know much about Elvis I feel like I'm like talking into the abyss right now. No, you, no, no. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're listening. We're listening. This <laughs> no, is the other yeah, side definitely. of the abyss. Is listening. Well, yeah, I, I definitely am from. Actually, it's funny because Doug and I, um, we saw a little bit of like uh, Evil Knievel in him a little bit because yes. of the motorcycle and the cape as well as well as Elvis. But um, do you think that character kind of works as well or, or is it or does it need to be specifically Elvis to kind of have that history to go along with it? Um, it could be a stunt guy for sure. I, I mean, I, I like to leave things open ended. I'm just telling you, know, like letting you know where, mm -hmm. uh, where like the some of the themes came from originally. But I mean, like I like when it's also ambiguous. Um, and, but yeah, sorry, go on. And, and what part? Because if anybody has not been to Niagara Falls, um, the Canadian side, it is a very interesting. Uh, place and I think it definitely has that piece of you know as you mentioned sort of Walmart culture. Oh yeah. Um, what, what was it about that place that kind of you were like that made you shoot there for this? Um. Well, Evan and I are both like really big fans of Alex Soth. He's a, a photographer, and uh, he did a photo series on Niagara Falls. It's also a place where I was always dragged to as a child, um, living in Toronto. Like pretty much any time we had a foreign visitor, my mom would be like, "You have to see the falls," and they're like this natural, you know, beautiful natural wonder. But when you get there, it, um, again, like starting to draw similarities to like the Elvis thing, but they're like lit up with these fluorescent lights. Um, they're like it, it, you can't um, get to them without walking through like this aggressive strip of like Ripley's believe it or not kind of like arcades and um everything is like trying to sell something to you because it is you know anything that attracts a lot of people is going to attract business and so there's just so much like competition of uh getting you to come into these doors to see either these like wax museums it's kind of like you know a, a really tacky um but it's all it's all surrounded by these like this natural, beautiful phenomenon of these um, giant waterfalls that are, you know, I think they're like one of the biggest in the world. They're like, they're like, they're really glorious and, and but they're not, you know, enough on their own. They have to like be, um, you know, coated in all this like syrup of the surrounding area. So it's, it's, 
yeah, the, the the lights on them are really, really surreal. They're like all the fluorescent lights and the fireworks and, um, you know. Yeah, it's like the tackiest, it's like the tackiest Disney World you could ever yes. <laughs> imagine surrounding it. It's a really odd yeah, place, been, yeah. which, is, which is why I loved that, that it was, that it was set there. I think that the place really adds so much to the, the, the meaning of it and the atmosphere of it. My, my, my web designer actually got really teary eyed when he, when I gave him the footage cause he was like, he studies a lot of first nation, um, history stuff. And, and he said like the Huron like nation, like that was like a really sacred, those falls were like a really, you know, uh, it's like a trading trade post between, um, I guess early colonists and like first nations people, but they were also like a really sacred, he knew a lot about the history and he said the beginning of the, of <laughs> the song sounds a lot like there's like a whistling that sounded like a, to him it sounded like it referenced um for him it was all about colonization and that was like an interesting uh thing that i never looked like saw into it at all but um i think yeah kind of kind of like it, there's supposed to be some sort of uh you know like like a lot like lot feeling of loss and um, alienation in like an un- unrecognizable, you know, landscape that uh, it is difficult to connect to. And I think like that maybe that is the experience, like um, going to places where if, if it's, you know, at least it's like last time I was in Niagara Falls, I felt really sad <laughs> for the, <laughs> for the environment there. But, um, but and about, and about these environments and stuff, you know, you, you, you talk about how you, you enjoy like the the ability of kind of using using the world, uh, like as a piece of you know as a as a part of the the video as well. You know, a lot of a lot of your music videos kind of on the surface, you know, it's they're they're following a subject, but they're really kind of following a subject in a, a particular environment. Um, and I, I wonder if you can kind of just explain what what kind of the role specifically the environment is playing for you in in these music videos. Um, cinematography is, uh, you know, very, like, location-oriented, I think, like, um, having a really good, <laughs> like, poetic landscape helps images quite a bit, um, so I guess, like, aesthetically that, that, that plays a, a, a good part of it, but I feel like you are, like, I mean, you're always in relation to your environment like how you feel in a nightclub is extremely different from how you feel in like a hair salon and it's just the images um i mean certain locations create mood and uh emotions and uh yeah yeah i feel like i'm always relating to my environment yeah like i i remember getting into an argument with my friend who was studying architecture because at, at that time I was thinking about maybe studying architecture too. <laughs> and they were like, well, uh, I was like, yeah, but ar- architecture doesn't communicate anything. And he was like, it communicates everything. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess space does communicate everything. It's true. Like it, it, it kind of like changed the way I thought about buildings and uh, spaces and stuff. excited to see what Emily is doing in the future because I think she has a, a bright future in music videos. It makes you sound really old. Does it? Yeah, a little bit. I feel a little bit older every day. The kids, is, you know. Is how many uh you you said a lot of things in your Steve Brule voice in this episode. That's just my regular voice. <laughs> we won't get into we won't get into voice Voice no, things. no, no. That's my that's my regular voice. I'm not doing anything different. Maybe I picked up a few mannerisms, but I don't I talk to you, a lot of people. I think you adapted a few, but it, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Uh, you know what's right is picks of the week. I think so. Mm, who wants to go first? You. <clears throat> so, in keeping with our Canadian theme, I uh, have picked a video by a Canadian artist, and the Canadian artist's name is. Carly Ray Jespin, and the song that I'm going to pick the video is Call Me Maybe. And you've definitely heard this song. It's a big hit right now. But the reason that I've picked this is because 
um, the artist, uh, Carly Rae Jespin, is Canadian. And she has interesting sort of history of becoming this huge, you know, recently a very, very large uh, popular singer. Um, and it's through two Canadian institutions that I wanted to share with you. Um, one of them is the um, Canadian version of American Idol. Do you know if you go to Canada, which I have been there before, um, you go there, they don't have like, they have a lot of American TV. Um, most of the TV, I think, is American in my experience, but they have their own Canadian versions of, of things. So, um, for instance, instead of Dancing with the Stars, they have this show called Battle of the Blades, where um, professional hockey players, uh, like ice hockey players, learn to do figure skating. At least that's what I th my Nana tells me. Um, she's a big fan of that show. Hello, Nana. Uh, but they also have their own version of American Idol called Canadian Idol. And um, Carly Rae Jespin is from Canadian Idol. Um, and, you know, just like we have, uh, oh, what's her name? Carrie Underwood? Is that her? The one who... Uh, yeah. Carrie Underwood, right. Um, and a lot of other artists that, uh, like Ruben Stutter and Clay Aiken, who are now on Celebrity Apprentice on NBC. Another uh, show that my Nana is a fan of. Um, so that's, you know, kind of where she got her start. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is that Canada has a lot of arts funding, much more so the United States. When is the last time you watched a film or a documentary and at the end it said funded by the National Film Board of the United States? Pretty much never. I've seen a lot of documentaries and a lot of films. At the end, um, it says funded by the National Film Board of Canada. They, they really do, um, you know, as far as I understand it, um, put a lot of uh, money into arts funding, which is uh, really cool and something that probably could never ever happen in the United States, but let's all let that sink in. But this music video was made um, with support by uh, Much Fact, and instead of MTV in uh, Canada, they have Much Music. And this Much Fact, I was just reading up this on this before the program, uh, before the podcast, but it's like a... Um, uh, a fund that funds uh, music videos. It says, Much Fact is a groundbreaking music video, EPK, viral video, and website production fund um, exclusively funded by Much and Much More, um, division of uh, Bell Media. But anyway, uh, they funded this music video, and um, I thought that was, that was uh, really cool because it uh, is a really popular music video. Basically, you know, the concept is uh, she and this good-looking shirtless guy live next to each other and they notice each other or something. I don't know. It's not very complicated. It's just a fun video to watch. But the last point I will make is that I've, I've been confused about whether bangs are back for a long time now. And they, are, these, they are, they are, they are, they are. They're definitely back because uh, Carly Rae Jespin is sporting some uh, Zoe Deschanel level bangs in this video. It's, uh, it's very cute. It's a good video. Listen and to she, you. And she's a uh, she's an excellent. I'd say she's like a ten out of ten camera mugger. She's an excellent camera mugger, which you have to be to win these idol shows. But she's how just, are her how are her rap hands? No, she's not doing nothing with the rap hands. Nothing. She says oh. nothing on evidence. But anyway, that's my pick. Enjoy it, you suckers. Um, uh, my <laughs> pick of the week, you suckers, um, is by a gentleman named John Lejoie. Um. And yes, that's right. You can probably tell by that last name. I also am keeping it with the Canadian theme. Um, and French-Canadian, too. French-Canadian. I don't play. Um, the Québécois. Uh, let's not do that. Um, my song, uh, his song that I chose, uh, is called Everyday Normal Guy. And this, I think this is, this style of video, a, a normal guy rapping um it's been done a lot on youtube um you know just like rapping from the perspective of like not being a gangster being socially awkward or um using public transportation or having to wait in line or you know like being average sexually this type of song and this type of video um has been around for a while. Uh, you know, it kind of it kind of spawns. Uh, you know, made was was definitely uh, sparked by um, Lazy Sunday by Lonely Island. 
Um, but anyway, what I think makes this video different is a few things. One, John Lejoie is um, actually a talented musician. And two, John Lejoie is actually a funny person. Um, uh, the concept of being a normal guy rapping is, is uh, like I said, not not that crazy of a concept, but uh, I think it's really pulled off well in this video, so well, in fact, uh, that I I think like these these videos that John Lejoie put out basically made him like he like started an actual career off this, and now he's like a regular on uh, the show The League on FX, just based on these silly silly songs and and videos that he put online. Um, and uh, another little side note about John Lejoie uh, is that. Adam and I saw him, saw him doing some stand-up and singing singing some songs, which was super fun too. Uh, but check out this music video for a little taste of Jean Lejoie, and that is the right way to say it. That's why I've said it so many times. Uh, I know it looks like Lejoie, but it's Lejoie. You're in the know. Uh, remember when we went to see that? We went to see Jean Lejoie, and there was like this... Um Pakistani comedian on the forum. <laughs> that guy was the worst. He was the worst. <laughs> Uh, he was just saying the worst stuff too. Like, I would I would pay to remember his name because you know, if he got that gig like to open for the Southeast Comedy Festival, at the very least he's got one or two YouTube videos. Uh, if anybody oh. knows his name, please you know. Guys, let us know. He's that an older Pakistan, guy. He's like 50. there's an older Pakistani comedian. That's all we got for you. And that's all we got for this episode. culture and um mcdonald's that delivers two things that uh i know about canada uh let me add one more to you mcdonald's pizza oh uh, yeah well yeah right exactly which is probably where the delivery spawns from hmm. so i think the second or third time i said spawns from in this episode too so we've reached our limit we gotta go can't say it again and i feel like it's coming so we're gonna end the episode now all right i'll, I'll i love you guys see you later everybody